Welcome back to Asking for a Friend podcast. It has been since November of 2020 since we've actually recorded. And here we are, January the 4th, 2021, and Philip is with me. And I know that if you are a faithful listener to the podcast, it's a different beginning than what we've normally had because Tyler Jones, our host, is transitioning out and it has been a great blessing to have him recording the podcast with us. I thought you were just going to say it's been a great blessing to know that he's transitioning out. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he's no. actually here listening to this. So. <laughs> right. He's, he's here this morning getting us started. He is. Uh, from this point on, if there are technical difficulties, it's all my fault. Yes. And, so. Well, if, and, and if, we're, if we're off theologically, that'll be Jason's fault. In fact, um, uh, send your questions to Jason Rowland. (laughs) All your texts and email. (laughs) But um, Tyler is rotating out, but he's still going to be a part of the the podcast and doing all the real technical work. And and, uh, again, Tyler's been a blessing and a help to us. And so we're thankful for that first year that we had in which Tyler was with us hosting. And so for our second season, I'm going to always begin our program, and then Philip and I will banter back and forth. And again, from time to time, we hope to have guests in here, different people and uh, members of our congregation and, and different ones that would uh, help us as we continue to try to address questions and issues. And let me just Philip, let me take some time just for a moment mm-hmm. here as we start the second season, just to go back to the very beginning, why we started the podcast and what the encouragement um, to us was. And uh, it really was something that came to us out of our congregation. Hey, why don't you guys do a podcast and how can we um, listen to you guys addressing questions beyond a Sunday morning setting of a sermon or a Sunday school class or a Sunday night Bible study or one of those other uh, means of grace that God has given us and so given us and so this was another means of grace and the congregation people in the congregation had asked us about doing this and so what we then set in motion was an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church, and it exists as a weekly resource to help and encourage, uh, to bring edification and knowledge to God's people, particularly our own congregation, Believers Baptist Church. That doesn't mean that there aren't others outside of our congregation that uh, are listening to this, and certainly we're humbled by that. We're grateful for anyone who listens. Sure. Um, but our particular aim is to resource the, the lives of the membership of Believers Baptist Church and whoever God gives us that might be blessed and might be encouraged by this podcast certainly is a means of grace to us, and we count that as a gift to us. And so we start our second season, and we want to make sure that we stay on track with Uh, the idea that we're hoping and praying, as we always do, that these podcasts will be helpful to people. And so now as we begin the uh, new year, and uh, there's been a lot that's happened, Philip, between the time that we recorded our final podcast in November, I guess it would have been actually in October that we recorded the final podcast that came out in November. We did not record anything in December, and we're talking about November and December of 2020. And so now here we are, 2021, and the first full week of the new year, and we 
have a question this morning that probably pertains to a lot that has gone on, as I said, between our last recording and now. Because in our culture, um, what we've seen is a political election that has a lot of question about it, that people are still debating, there's still a lot of discussion, there's still no final result of that, at least in some people's eyes, and in other people's eyes there is. But we've also had an uptick in the COVID virus. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just heard this week, in fact, um, yesterday in our worship service, a couple of our members were speaking to me, and they happened to be uh, nurses, uh, was talking about that the hospital uh, near us, just 30 miles up the road, Sulphur Springs, mm -hmm. is completely full. And then we've got another hospital that's close to us in Greenville, Texas. We're in Emory, and that's about 30 um, miles from us, and it is full as well. And in the process, there's been those who have died. Sure. Um, and so death seems to be something uh, more prominent in our culture right now. People are thinking about it. People are experiencing it in their own families, extended families, friends. And so that's the question that we want to bring to our first podcast of 2021. Should a Christian fear death? And so there's a lot that we, I think that we could discuss about this. And uh, um, I, I think for all of us, we're not trying to be insensitive here mm -hmm. because I, I think that we have to all recognize that there's a little bit of fear of the unknown. And, and uh, I don't think anybody wishes to suffer in death um, and have some horrific kind of uh, long, drawn-out, torturous uh, death. And, and certainly, again, we're not trying to minimize the fact that the virus is real and the virus has had consequences of death for people. But we do want to think of it biblically. Sure. How should Christians think about death? And so with that in mind, uh, Philip, there are several texts that speak to this that I think that would give us a good place to start. Yeah, th there are. Um, uh, and you know, I think that one of the statements you made, um, at least in the in the context of the way you framed the question, is should Christians uh, fear death? And I would start with just answering the question with a point blank. I, I think the answer is no, that they shouldn't. Um, but that's that's a qualified, uh, uh, the way the phrase this question, uh, should non-Christians be afraid of death? The answer is absolutely. Um, because death will be um, um, the the doorway, if you will, for them to um, experience God's wrath in its fullness. Mm -hmm. um, not that um, uh, that not that the lost man isn't under God's wrath to some extent even now. Uh, Romans 1 uh, would make that clear. But, uh, but should the Christian uh, be afraid of death? And the answer is no. And, and, uh, and as we work through some of the text, I hope that we can make sense of that. But, uh, but I think that um, uh, to hearken back to um, Corona and some of these other things, we've been inundated with death talk so much, the yes. news and, and all of those things that it has put it on people's radar that it probably wouldn't be. Unfortunately, um, you know, death is a reality because of sin and, um, and death, physical death. Will will be a reality until sin is no more. Right, right. So the wages of sin is is death. That's right. exactly right. So, but um, 
but unfortunately, there's not a big distinction. And this is unfortunate, I think, but there hasn't been a, 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 a real clear uh, delineation between the responses of Christians and the responses of non-Christians to this stuff, right? Right. People are responding in almost the same manner. Um, we, we act as if, uh, and this is an unfortunate, this is um, not consistent with the claim of, of faith and eternal life and, and the promise of a glorified body and the promise of, of resurrection. Um, uh, it, it, it's not consistent with what the Bible teaches about um, the, the, where the believer will be once he has physically died. But because of ignorance or because of um, a lack of a biblical worldview or, or, or I don't know, or maybe they're just, uh, many of these people are just lost. Maybe they're not real Christians. I don't know. Maybe the church hasn't done a good job at addressing the issues. Maybe not. Maybe that's exactly right. Maybe today will be helpful for somebody. But right. I think because of whatever reason or, or series of reasons, um, there's not a lot of distinction between the way that so-called Christians respond to the thought of death and the way non-Christians uh, respond to the thought of death. And there should be a huge distinction between those two things. And we've seen it so played out. It, it's been, it's, be, it's really come to the surface during this pandemic. Yeah, because people who hadn't thought of death or only think of death in the context of, you know, um, you know their 90-year-old grandma right, that kind of thing. They think, you know, I've got 30, 40, 50, 60 years or whatever before I need to think about this kind of thing. It's been brought to the forefront for many of them. Mm -hmm. But um, but also, um, at least from my perspective, as I've watched people and how they've responded, um, even in our own body uh, mm -hmm. to some extent, um, I don't think it's consistent with what, what we should be or how we should be thinking about death. Uh, we often, um, as soon as death is brought up, immediately... Um, revert to this life acting as if and living as if and responding as if this life is all there is. Right. As if this life is the most important thing, you know, in reality. Right. And, um, and uh, as uh, Joel Osteen would say, you know, they think that this is their best life. Right. Right. And, it, and they're going to have it now. Right. And for the unbeliever, that is true. Right. I can understand the, 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 the carnage that has gone on in their mind, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. over this situation. Mm -hmm. and, the, and being faced with um, uh, their mortality, right. right? I get that. But for the believer, and we're going to look at some texts, but for the believer who, who should recognize that God is sovereign, that God is in control, uh, that, um, that death is sweet, Right? right, because it it we go to something better. In fact, Paul uh, is going to say in in um, in Corinthians that we should long to be not unclothed, right, but further clothed, mm -hmm. right? right? That 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 this, and he's going to say in First Corinthians fifteen, you know that the that flesh cannot inherit eternal life, right? So something's got to give. Right? right, this body has to die, 
Or he says there's a mystery that some people won't die, and yet they're still going to receive um, a redeemed body, right? right. But the, 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 the mortal has to take on immortality. You know, the temporary has to take on permanence. And, um, and that can't happen in a sin-ridden body. Right. And so there's a reality uh, in Scripture that is made clear to us that there should be a longing in the believer, the one who trusts in God, to see face-to-face right, and to bask in the glory of our resurrected Savior and to know his resurrection, and which means uh, a glorified body, right, which um, I, I, from my understanding of Scripture, it may not, is not going to happen for many at the point of death. I mean, it'll, be, it'll happen later on mm-hmm. um, at the return of Christ. But that being said, uh, we should long for being away from this earth and in the presence of God. Now, that by no means am I articulating uh, that we shouldn't make the most of our lives here, right. live obedient, enjoy the um, the joys of, of uh, the temporal joys and the temporal satisfactions that, that God has offered for us here in the context of church and family and, and, um, and many other blessings that he's given. I'm not saying that you should by any means uh, seek to shorten your life here right. in any way. Right. I don't mean that. In fact, I think if, if that's what you're longing to do, you have a, a skewed perspective as well. Right. But what I am saying is that if we're thinking differently than the non-believer about this subject, then what we do is we don't see death as an enemy, but we see death in a real sense as a friend. Right. Because it, it and, and I... Now, let me be clear. I, I, death is the product of sin. So I don't mean that death is a good thing in that sense. It's not. Right. And if, we, if that's where we go, then we have a misunderstanding of, of what death is and why it's here. It is a consequence of sin. So death in that sense isn't friendly. But what I do mean is death as an opportunity, as the final battle, right, as the final um, thing that, uh, uh, that we have to deal with here in the context of our sin before we get to go and recognize in its fullness the redemption that we've received from our sins. Right. The, the great old Christian classic, the one of the greatest books that every Christian ought to read, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Pilgrim gets to the end of his life and, he's, and he has to face death to get to the celestial city. And, and there's hesitation and, and there's a sense of, of, of real fear. Um, but you have to read the book to, to know how he handles it. But but the way that ultimately he handles it is, as we're talking about, as uh, embracing it, uh, knowing that death ushers us into a better existence, a yeah. better life. Yeah, and uh, and and I and that's the that's the, I think the the distinction that we have to make. And unfortunately, either we haven't thought deeply enough about it. Or there really is a disconnect somewhere between um, our understanding of the future life, or maybe we're just not secure in our faith or whatever the case may be. Right. But there is um, a problem when, when there's no visible distinction between those who are in Christ they profess to be in Christ right. and those who make no profession to be in Christ and the way they respond to death. Right. And, and that I think is, is, is certainly problematic and, and reveals a, 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 a gaping hole in, in their theology. Okay. So let's think then um, about some of the reasons why the believer ought to think differently about this. What are some of the texts that... Well, the first thing I would say and, um, is that God is sovereign. 
you know, that you are absolutely immortal until the day God takes you home. Right. I mean, God has appointed a day for each of us to die. Right. Right. He, our days are numbered. The Bible says. Right. I mean, you, you can't add days to your life. Right. And and um, and so in, it, Psal- in Psalms ninety, for example, we're told to um a, uh, to ask the Lord to teach us to number our days. Yeah. We we, uh, we have a responsibility to live life as a gift from God. Um, but we are, and I, I, you said it, and I agree with it, that we are immortal until the day that God calls us uh, and brings death to us because he is sovereign. He, he is. And you know, the amazing thing about that is that particular, if we could grab a hold of that, man, it just swings the doors wide open, mm-hmm. right? What can I fear? What should I fear, right? Should I fear my neighbor's um, scowling looks when he finds out that I stand in a position that's 180 degrees distinctly, you know, uh, different from them on social issues? No, I don't have to fear that because um, any kind of um, scowl, any kind of um, reviling, any kind of um, persecution or danger means nothing in that sense because I am immortal until the day God takes me home. Right. Right. I shouldn't fear uh, coming persecution. I shouldn't fear whether Biden is going to take religious liberty away. I don't have to fear any of those things because I'm immortal until the day God takes me home. Trusting in that. And here's a text that that, that would make that clear. In in Matthew 10, um, uh, verses uh, 21 through 30. Um, Jesus has sent out his disciples to go and minister, right, and and to preach. And he's told them that they're going to be persecuted. But when he gets down to verse 26, he says this. He's talking about um, people having um, fear of those who would uh, uh, hate hate them as much as they hate him, right? They hate me. They're going to hate you. They've they've called me the devil, uh, you know. He says, you think they're not going to think the same about you? Hmm. He says in verse 26, have no fear of them. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who destroy both soul and body in hell. And then look where he says, look at God's sovereignty here. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. God says, Jesus says here to his disciples in this context, uh, in the context of you're going to be persecuted, have no fear in the face of that because there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that didn't do so uh, outside, that did so rather outside of God's sovereignty. Mm. God's in control of it all. Mm. And then look what he goes on to say. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. He's in control. If a sparrow can't fall unless God ordains it, you will not die until God ordains it. You are immortal until that day. You are completely safe 
in the arms of God, working out his purposes, his will, you can, you can trust in that. And so fear of death, absolutely there should be no fear of death. That doesn't mean I don't, um, that, that I long for the pain that is often associated with death. I mean, I, I don't think I'm scared of death at all, I'll be honest with you. I, I may be wrong if the day we're, if we're faced with it, but I, I, I try to put myself in situations sometimes and, and consider that, and I don't think I am. I don't want to hurt. Right. I don't want to hurt in the process. I don't right. like pain. Right. But, but the idea of, of my heart stopping and, um, and this, this life being over, I don't, I don't fear that. Right. I, I really don't have um, much trepidation at all. Right. Because and and so I don't live my life in fear of many things. I'm 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 an, I'm, I'm not a masker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I haven't been wearing a mask this whole time. Right. Um not and I'm not encouraging people um to or not to wear a mask. That's that's neither here nor there. I let your conscience be your guide. But um but I I've chosen not to live my life in fear of these things. Right. Um you know, so and, and so God's sovereignty then helps the believer cope with the uh, reality of death because one of the things that falls under that umbrella of God's sovereignty is that it is inevitable. Death will come to every person who's ever been born, um, and, unless they're caught up in what some people would would term the rapture. And, and but that's a different subject. But let's just say it's inevitable for right. every person because the wages of sin is death. Romans six twenty three, mm-hmm. uh, Hebrews nine twenty seven. It's appointed unto man once to die, right. and after that the judgment. So death is is coming, and, and one of the questions that we have to uh, ask ourselves uh, in relation to this is. Um, not how can I prolong my life, and and certainly medical science, medical technology, which is a great blessing and a gift in so many ways, has created an opportunity for to, for us to extend our lives, um, and maybe that's another subject as well. But my point being that I don't think we we have to um, think about. Um, how much can I squeeze out of this life in terms of time? In terms of time, I, I think we need to squeeze out as much as we can in this life in terms of faith and obedience and service and worship. Um, how can we share the gospel faithfully and be um, involved in the in the things of God? How can I make the most of the time that God's given us? Because that is good stewardship of the life that God has given us. Uh, he has a purpose for our life. Um, but, you know, whether someone extends their life through medical science, uh, I guess, is another issue or whatever. Well, you know, unfortunately, though, you know, we, we, we think about the way that we can prolong life. But what do we prolong? O- oftentimes we prolong futility. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's the way we live our lives, right? right. Uh, most of our life is meant for absolutely nothing especially in the context of God, the Lord and his kingdom and his word. You know, a, a T-shirt I told my wife the other day, I saw that I, that I want to get, says, uh, don't fear failure, but it says fear spending your life succeeding at things that don't really matter. Right. But it's the same thing. We shouldn't fear death. We should fear living a life that isn't lived for God. Right. That's what we ought to fear is that I'm not but that I'm going to die, but that I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to say, your life was futile, right? Mm-hmm. You did nothing to honor me. Right. You did nothing to live for me. Mm-hmm. You did nothing um, to, uh, to, to show that the things of God were, were important to you, right. right? You lived your life chasing um, 
you know, wealth or prosperity or, or pleasure or, or comfort yeah, or safety. Or, something. And safety tends to be the God mm-hmm. in, in the context of, of, of everything that we've seen in the coronavirus and so forth. I mean, safety is is supreme right now in our culture, right? In fact, we're giving up all kinds of liberties in our culture right now in the name of safety, right? I mean, Big Brother is promising that he will keep you safe, right? Right. And um, so he can make all kinds of demands that we'll just happily give up um, rights that that are ours in in our constitutional republic. We'll just happily give them up because in the name of safety, right? We're not serving Christ. We're serving... um, the idea that I'll get a few extra years right. here on this earth to live chasing futile things. Right. And we are, our fear shouldn't be that of death. Our fear ought to be um, living a life that meant nothing. Right. Well, and, and another text I think that we can come to that, that helps us to think as believers about our um, uh, perspective and our understanding of death is found in Hebrews chapter 2. Sure. And uh, I'll begin in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Now, so verse 14 of Hebrews 2 says that Jesus became incarnate, which we just celebrated last month. Right. He became incarnate, and as incarnate God, he experienced, he partook of the same things that we in our life experience, uh, though obviously without sin, and through his death, his bodily death, he destroyed the one who has the power of death. And it, it, and we are told here in this verse, verse 14 of Hebrews 2, that that one who has the power of death is the devil. Now, it's not that the devil has sovereign power over death and he has something greater than God. It's that the power of Satan uh, is in the fear of death, in the uh, consequences of our sin. And so he, Jesus, has destroyed the one who has the power of death. So the the fear of it is destroyed for the believer. Right. Secondly, in verse 15, and deliver us, that is Jesus, delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So he destroyed the one who has the power of it, and Satan will ultimately be defeated. And then we have the deliverance of the fear of it which subjects us to lifelong slavery. In other words, it's something that all men think about, have uh, fear of. Well, and this is exactly what I was talking about here. Okay. The fear of death uh, leaves men or puts men uh, in in slavery. Right. So if I fear that my best life, my only life, this this life, this, this temporal life is all there is, Right? right, then I must live it to the full, right. and I would, I, I, and so the fear of death is that it's going to cut my experiences short. It's going to cut whatever I, whatever I have short. It's going to cut all of this short, and our conscience isn't isn't assuaged in any real way. So we still know that there's got to be a punishment after death, right? right? Our conscience knows this going in. We know that we're going to stand before God. Romans one again, Romans two makes clear that men know that there's a God. Their conscience bears witness of it, and even that there's a righteous judgment 
uh, that that um, uh, that is out there that we're going to experience one day, and we recognize that that's after death. So um, so we're we're subjected to slavery because of this. Uh, Temporal understanding that this life and this life alone is all there is. If we can get past that, recognize that in Christ's death, there is life for the believer and not just temporal life, but eternal life, right? Right. Then, uh, then what does death have to offer? But, uh, but for the Christian, uh, uh, an entry into uh, the rest of that. That's right. And the, the, the thing that you're talking about, this judgment, one of the things that we as Christians have hope in that gives us motivation to uh, continue in loving the Lord Jesus and in faith and in worship and in obedience. One of those things is to know that we have been saved from the just wrath of God. Right. Um, And and so obviously um, Jesus has delivered us from divine wrath. He has delivered us from the fear of death. Um, he has identified with us in death and experienced death himself. Right. So all of these are pluses for the believer to find assurance in, to find some security of of um, God's mercy, God's grace, uh, even in the midst of death. Well, you know, it's interesting. If you go back to First Peter, and Peter's talking to people that are being persecuted, they're 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 suffering for their faith. But um, obviously, death was a reality for many of these people. But what Peter tells them to hold on to in the context of that was their salvation, which affords them an inheritance that is undefiled, right? Right. Not fading, kept for them in heaven. Right. And then he goes to say, and by the way, you as believers are being secured for that inheritance as well. Not only is the inheritance being secured and held for you, you're being held for that inheritance. Neither one can be lost in the context of this. And he tells the suffering people whose death is a reality. It's not the things of this life that must be held on to and grasped. It's the things in the next life that you should be holding on to and, and, right. and recognizing that they're being held on to for you, rather. Right. So it, it's our perspective is skewed completely when we when 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 the temporal things of of earth. Um, you know, the Bible says that they grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Right. right. When the things of this earth grow strangely dim, is that in the Bible or is that a hymn? That's a hymn. Yeah. It's a hymn, right? Yeah, right. But the point is it's a truth right it's a truth that's a truth that really that peter was articulating to to people in 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 the context of suffering right those things aren't that important and the more that you recognize and long for this this eschatological inheritance the more the things of earth are strangely dim right well and maybe one of the things that the church ought to do in the context of this pandemic that we are still in as we enter into 2021 is to cultivate a love for heaven. Maybe we need to speak more often about heaven. Maybe we need to talk about what, even what Paul says, that uh, for me to live as Christ and to die is, is gain. gain. Yeah. Or uh, what he says in Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven as a believer. And so this life is a temporary life, and we ought to think about it as that. We ought to think about how that we can... Um, cultivate that that love for heaven in, in the church. Maybe we ought to hear more sermons on it. You know, I I don't I, I'm not sure how to do all that, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're right though. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that um, you know, 
how do you combat? We were talking about earlier how, how parents combat sending their children to Caesar and, and them not coming back Romans, right? Right. And we were trying to say you, you can't combat um, years and years of, um, and hours and hours a week, rather, of, of, of secular instruction with an hour a week of, of biblical instruction. I mean, right. there, there needs to be something different in the way we think about this. But it's the same thing, right? Um, when, when we're inundated day in and day out with material um, appeals, right? Mm-hmm. With appeals to um, the flesh that say, this is what it's all about. Right. This is what it means to, to, to live, right? This is what it means to, 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 to strive. To, uh, this is what ambition's about. This is what it's about. And we're told that over and over and over. And then um, maybe we combat that with saying, no, there's a greater reality. There's something that all of those, even the best of things t- temporally are just shadows, which point to greater realities, yes. right? And there are, there's something greater than anything this world has to offer. And, and maybe we do combat it with, with, with teaching the realities of, of glory. Right. The best, the best things in this life, the best gifts, the best joys, the best uh, blessings in this life will be multiplied more than we can ever even comprehend. Yeah. Um, especially as we understand what it says to us uh, in Revelation, the, the yeah. book of Revelation about uh, heaven in chapters 21 and 22. Um, and we, we don't tend to think that way. Um, and I think, I, I think one of the things then that we can cultivate is this love for heaven. But how about if we cultivate, too, a deeper love for Christ? Well, absolutely. Well, you know, we long to see him, right? I right. mean, that would be the thing. Yeah. We long to be him. He, you know, he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. But he says, you know, to depart from this body is to be present with the Lord. And he even goes on to say, I don't know which I would choose. Right. Right. I mean, if I were up to me. I would go home. Right. But I know it's better for me to stay here right now for you. So he says, I think that's where I'll be. Right. But uh, that's, you know, but yeah, he says um, to, to die is gain. Why do we think? And then we actually, unfortunately, most of the time, and I'm not, so let me be clear for all of you who have lost loved ones and, and you've mourned over that loss. I, I'm not saying that's wrong. Right. I'm not. We right. have uh, our temporal relationships and and things like that are still real relationships, and so uh, and and the Bible tells us to um, to hurt with those who hurt, weep with those who weep, and and that our reactions should, should be visceral. They should come from within. They shouldn't be um, uh, uh, hypocritical or just um, surface. Um, I, when when you hurt, I should honestly hurt with you. Right. I should long that that this pain would be satisfied. But unfortunately, so much of the time. Our, our funeral services don't look any different than the lost man's funeral mm-hmm. services, mm-hmm. Right? right? I mean, we forget that um, that uh, that if the person's a believer, man, it's not a sad thing. It should be a celebration of sorts. Yeah, right. Uh, and um, and like I said, I'm not saying that there's not a time for mourning those right. losses, but right. sure. But but th- there ought to be a distinction between the way that we deal with death, the way we think about death, the way that we mourn even. Death, because the Bible does say something about that. We don't mourn as those who have no hope. Right. 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 We don't. We don't. We should. We don't think about death the same way they do. Right. And Paul says in Second Corinthians to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord. Right. And that ought to be the longing, the 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 hope, the desire, the ultimate 
of the every believer's life uh, to be free from the daily um, push and, and uh, pull of sin. Uh, that's going to be a joy. It's, it, it be free from that even. Uh, in this life, we will always have the temptation and the giving in to temptation, mm-hmm. the struggle of, of being um, um, obedient. But, but when death comes, that struggle is gone. Right. And that's exactly what Paul means. He's, when he says, you know, it's not that I long to be unclothed. Right. Right. It's not that I, I, that I have some kind of twisted um, theological understanding that the flesh is bad. Flesh in and of itself isn't bad. Right. But my sinful flesh is bad. Right. So I wish that my sinful flesh was gone and I was further clothed with a body like Christ's. Right. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes. Verses 1 through 10, I believe. Yes, you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what I'm saying, though. He's making this argument, right, that um, w- it's not as if... Um, I, um, I want to see Christ. I want to know his resurrection, the power of his resurrection. I want to see him. I long for him, and I want to be clothed like him. I want to be like him in the sense that I no longer struggle with sin. I no longer have those thoughts. I no longer do those things, those attitudes, those motivations. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know from my own perspective that I often think about that. I go, um, not that I'm trying to speed anything up, but I'm saying, man, I can't wait till the day that those things are no longer alive in me. Yes. Yes. And uh, and again, I think that's one of the motivations or the reasons that believers do not have to fear death. And one of the things that I guess we ought to try to wrap this thing up, and one of the things that I want to say uh, in the context of this pandemic and um, how we've seen the church, the church in, as a whole, react during this. And I think we've lost in American culture in American Christianity, the idea that the church is is meant and has always experienced um, death, danger, risk. There's never been a time really uh, until modern time, especially in America, where the church dwelt in relatively good safety and health and freedoms mm-hmm. and and I think it's created some very bad issues for the church in general but just think about that and and think about the fact that from the book of acts when we see the birth of the church and the early persecution and the first martyr of Stephen and and we see the history of the church all through um the ages and the church has always been in a place, the true church has always been a place of danger mm-hmm. and risk. And we don't have that mindset in our American culture. No, and, and I, think that, I think you're actually right. And I think that there's a, there's a point that we could, uh, something we could learn from that. What are, what are we communicating to the culture, the lost culture, about our God? Right. For example, there are there's some really big churches, um, and I use that term loosely from my perspective. I don't, don't know that they are churches in that sense, in the sense that they, they house a redeemed body of believers. I don't know that that's who they are. But we would call them churches. There's some really big ones that haven't even met since February or March. They just shut down. Right. right of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they, you know, they've been eight, nine, ten months that they haven't met at all because of this pandemic, and um, and what that what are they communicating? I would argue that they're communicating to the culture well that this life is the most important. 
right? right? That safety is key. Right. right, that that um, uh, the same things that you're you're saying right now, you know, that the churches they they misunderstand the history of the church. Right. That that the man who seeks to live a godly life will be persecuted. So now now uh, we understand that Corona has uh, attacked us universally. It's it's not just it's not left the Christian out, nor has it only singled out the Christian. Right, we have Christians and non Christians all being affected in the same way by this by this disease. Right. But or this this virus, but um, the unfortunate part is, from the world's perspective, there's been almost no discernible difference between the way the two have reacted, right. and that's so unfortunate because what we have communicated, that people hear our actions oftentimes louder than our words, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What we've communicated is that um, well, that God's not sovereign, that He's not in control. That death is just as bad and just as painful and, and, and robs of, of all these um, uh, wonderful things we're meant to experience here, right? We, we, we have the same. They, they really don't see a distinction in the perspective between the Christian and the non-Christian. Right. And, man, we've got to be careful. Remember that everything we do is theological. Right. Everything we do uh, communicates something about what we think and what we believe about God. Right. And I'm not saying wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. I'm not. Right. I'm saying think really carefully about the words that you say, about the way that you communicate um, uh, these things, because you are talking to a lost world, and the only view sometimes of, of, of God is the one that you give them. Right. And unfortunately, many, many people are giving them a skewed view. Of, of who God is. You know, one of the things, there was a group of men years ago called the Odd Fellows. Have you ever heard of them? I have. Okay, a lot of times you'll drive by cemeteries and you'll see the I-O-O-F, right? right. I think that's International Order of Odd Fellows or whatever. Right. You know why they were called Odd Fellows? Have you ever heard the story? I've heard the story, but I don't recall. Well, they would go in during pandemic, like the, the, the they would go in during Black Plague. Okay. They would be the men who would go in and... These are Christian men. Christian men remove the bodies of these people with the plague and go give them burials. Wow. It's risking their own lives to, to treat people with dignity. And the people would look at him and say, that's a group of odd fellows right there, right? That would, that would go out, recognize that there was something greater than their own physical um, safety, right? They would risk their safety. But we don't have a world looking at us going, look at those odd people right. that don't think about death the same way we do. Right. There, there's, there's a disconnect somewhere because the reason we're relevant to our culture is not because we're like them, but because we're different. Right. You know, I made that statement yesterday in the context of, of a Sunday school lesson, but it's the truth. It is the truth. We're only going to be um, uh, instructional. We're only going to be important. We're only going to be relevant to our culture as long as we don't look like them. Right. But as long as we think like them and look like them, we're completely irrelevant. Right. Um. The, and those odd fellows, uh, it just occurred to me that while you were telling that story, that the burials needed to take place 
immediately or as soon as possible because of the the continuation of the, the disease. disease. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. So they were actually uh, risking their lives for the good of others. Yes. Yes. They, and, and that seems to be the pattern of, of Christians throughout the history of pandemics that the world has experienced. Yeah. And what's, what's really funny is instead of going out and being on the front lines of, of communicating um, human dignity, you know, and that kind of thing and, mm-hmm. and trying to keep people safe, what we've done is it's translated over to... Um, you wear a mask so you can love your neighbor, <laughs> you yeah. know, and uh, and it's like, um, and then getting mad at someone because their conscience is just different than yours, and they're not wearing a mask, and all of a sudden, you know, you come out and judge right. them on them or something probably, like that. Right, and probably a greater condemnation even is that we've said worship is not important. Our safety is more important than actually uh, meeting and yeah, worship. Yeah, isn't that a shame? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there's probably much more than we could say about all of uh, the different topics. And uh, Romans 8 is a good text to go to. Yes. I know that you had um, talked with me about that earlier. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, particularly verses 50 through 58. First uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty six, I believe, right. is, is a good verse. And so these are relevant texts that you could go to other than what we've mentioned uh, in the uh, context of the podcast. But we, again, uh, our prayer, our desire is this. This has been a helpful discussion. It will um, bring some clarity, maybe some thought uh, to those who are thinking about these things. And and I think we said it from the beginning. More and more people are thinking about these things. I I, I mean, I actually had a positive test for uh, the virus since we actually... um, The last recording and and this recording that we're doing today. Mm -hmm. And so... um, uh, I don't know that death ever was a, a great fear for me. It, it was a thought because I have a precondition, and I won't go into all the details concerning that, but um, it, it, we are. the point is we are thinking more about it, and this has hopefully been helpful in the context of this podcast uh, to those who are listening to think about these things more biblically. So thanks for listening to Asking for the Friend podcast. Or, uh, we, we pray that, um, uh, as I said, that God would uh, bless this and be an encouragement to you. If you have any questions or any comments that you want to um, bring to the podcast in the future, you can email um, Believers Baptist Church, or you can go even to our website, and I believe there are ways that you can uh, ask questions there. Sure. And um, you can always uh, call Philip. I can give you the phone number. <laughs> I'm not scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can text him. Um, but again, thanks for listening, and may the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen.